Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another World Cup special of the FRS Premier League podcast. My name is Sebastian Oren. With me is Elliot Niblock. No Polly today either. Now we've got three on the trot here. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Oh, well, Elliot, once again, it sounds like you're in the buzzling streets of uh, some Russian town, but you're not. <laughs> no, I'm once again in the uh, lovely confines of Montgomery Distillery. It's a little quieter, but, you know, it's still a bar. One of my favorite bars in the country, really. Nice. Just, you know, world-class cocktail program in western Montana. Wouldn't oh. expect it, but here it is. There you go. Some free advertisement right there. Uh, we're going to take a look at the round of 16, which has started here. We've had four pretty interesting games so far. We still have four to go before we know who's going to end up in the quarterfinals. And we got off to a real banger here on Saturday with France beating Argentina 4-3. to And it was uh, described as Kylian Mbappe's coming out party. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I think rightfully so, at least from a national team perspective in any case. Yeah, he... Uh, had a blistering, even beyond, you know, he kind of had like a, uh, Seb, you're the hockey expert here, but almost like a hockey assist hat trick, right? Because it was mm-hmm. his beautiful blistering run into the box that won them a penalty that was awarded for the first goal. And then two very well-taken goals. Um, I mean, I think that Pavard's goal, that screamer from outside of the box curling into the back of the net was probably the goal of the match. But then again, Angel Di Maria had some claim to that as well although he kind of was horrible in every other case. Uh, but yeah, no, a really a really thrilling game. One I was really worried would not live up to the billing, but did, you know, and then even exceeded it. Oh yeah, absolutely. There was, this was a phenomenal game. It set the tone just right. And like you said, I was also a little bit nervous that it was going to end up being a very tight-knit game, maybe a one nothing, maybe a 2-1 to if we were lucky. But yeah, 4-3... A lot of good goals. I rate Pavard's strike higher than Di Maria's, but I feel like that's a personal taste type of thing. See, I don't know. I actually, uh, I guess I can see both sides. But on the one hand, I think that Pavard's was more impressive as you watch it in the replays. But there's almost something more to be said from the fact that Pavard was first time taking a stab at it. And yeah, it was it was phenomenal technique taking it first time but Di Maria's was more methodical in that moment of okay I've got time I'm going to set up and shoot you know I think that Di Maria's was maybe a higher percentage play than was Pavard's uh and so I guess that's just a matter of personal taste right like do you prefer the one that's one time out of 100 or do you prefer the one that is you've done that 100 times and your skill is such that your quality shows that you can do it as a high percentage play. Maybe not 90 times out of 100, but 75 at least. Yeah, there's definitely more charm to Pavard. I mean, his first international goal for France, right back, oh, yeah. you know, playing playing for uh, uh, Stuttgart. So 
definitely cool there for him. Yeah, that's certainly got a little more of the Cinderella aspect for yeah. sure. So Mbappe, now well-known for even the casual fan, people that been following the game a bit more closely know that he's, you know, the next big thing. Oh, has, yeah. He's has been, been for a while. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's been highly sought after for a while, but this is, yeah, coming out party I think is the right thing. It's, you know, <laughs> not exactly a debutante ball because he's been the debutante of the big fish of European clubs for a long time. But in terms of the world stage and those who maybe don't follow those leagues as closely, yeah, he will now be a household name. Yeah, so disappointment once again for Lionel Messi. Do you think this is the last time we saw him in an Argentina shirt? You know, I think that's a good question. And I was talking to my friend about this the other day that I really I really think it's just how badly he gets brutalized or, you know, off of Mbappe, mm, brutalized by the Argentine press because they they had a good showing. You know, they didn't play a bad game. They scored three goals against one of the top teams in the world. Uh, you know, they never, they never were really dominating the game, but they did take the lead at one point. Yeah, I, I don't think that the exit is as ignominious as we thought it might be for Argentina. But at the same time, the pressure's been on him for ages. He's been the consensus if not best player in the world top two top three players in the world for a decade and the fact that he hasn't been able to deliver for the argentine national team is shameful and he's already retired once i could i could see him if again if the the pressure that like the shtick that he gets from the press in argentina isn't so horrible i could see him potentially playing in the copa america a couple of years from now, I do not, for, I do not for the life of me, think that he's got another World Cup in him. And really, you know, if I was, if I was actually bet on it, I would say he's done. Well, I think if he decides to keep playing in the national team, I definitely feel like he could be there in four years. I don't have any doubts about that. But and I don't feel like he should bear the brunt of this exit for Argentina. He had a pretty solid game, solid tournament. He picked up two assists in this game. I mean, that ball to Aguero towards the end there, beautiful. That was great. Yeah. So I don't feel like this is on Messi. This is more about the supporting cast around him not being up to snuff. Well, and it's, a, yeah, it's again, and it's it's a cliche. It's one that we've heard before, one we've even said before, but it looks like a team of superstars not playing like a team, but rather a collection of individuals. And cliches become grating because we hear them all the time, but they're also repeated because there's truth in them. And this is a case of that, right? Like they need, they need top down reformation. And that starts with the manager. Maybe it even starts, you know, as we talk about with the U S men's national team and the U S soccer federation, maybe it starts even higher than that. I don't know, but I do know that he's a phenomenally talented player. I think that if we see him play for Argentina in the future, then it will be not totally unlike his retirement coming out of retirement before, but it will be him taking a small hiatus a la Tim Howard and stepping away and then coming back in and trying to earn his place in the team once more. But I think that he needs, and even, as you say, Seb, deserves a break because this is not on him failing to deliver. Yeah, he had a penalty saved, but he also scored a wonder goal and then assisted two more and, you know, you got to help a guy out. Yeah. And I, you know, if you look at this Argentina team too, they're very front heavy. 
if you're looking at the star players, Messi, Di Maria, attacking player, and then you had, you know, three really strong forwards on the bench in Iguain, Aguero, and Dybala. Mm-hmm. So, I, it, I, you know, Dybala just can't get a break in this team. And that's another that's another name that in a few years, like, yeah, okay, maybe Aguero won't be there, but if, if Messi is, Dybala sh- certainly will be. Yeah. And he's a phenomenally talented young player. But, I, no, I agree that they're... Their problems have been dominating play in midfield and not giving the ball away cheaply, and then also at the back, you know, say nothing of Willie Caballero's huge gaffe. Like, they just have not been as solid in defense as you need to be if you want to win a world championship. No, and especially if you just take a look at what was on the other side, too, with, you know, a center pairing of Umtiti and Varane and your own center, uh, you know, of defense, Otamendi and Rojo. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, it, despite Rojo's glorious moment in the sun with striking that winner, that is not that is not a center-back pairing that you would feel particularly comfortable with. And yeah. also, Mascherano, all respect to Mascherano, you know, uh, he, he looks a little bit a shadow of his former self as well. And so when you have a fragile pairing of center halves and then your, you know, stalwart holding midfielder who is clearly off the pace... And you're gonna you're gonna concede goals, and they have, and they did, and they're out for it. Yep. No, that's true. That's true. I think uh, we, before we move on from this game too, we should give props to uh, former Arsenal man Olivier Giroud. Oh yeah, he had a great game. Did he work? Ooh, he didn't get a goal to show for it, but man, did he do some work. Well, and this is something that you know, Paulie and and others have always been fond of, kind of giving him shtick about is that. Like, oh, yeah, what you say about a striker who can't score goals is that his hold-up play is excellent. But when his hold-up play is that good and he's surrounded by that much talent, then you see precisely why that is important. Yeah, and the way he can flick balls on with his head and all that stuff. And just yeah, the, the work absolutely. rate is amazing. And he, it fits this France system very, very well. The other game yeah. that was on Saturday, that was Uruguay against Portugal. And Uruguay took a 2-1 to win here, a brace by Edinson Cavani. Pepe got the goal for Portugal, so both Messi and Ronaldo are out of the tournament. Yeah, and that's honestly totally fine with me. I mean, you know, we've bemoaned the quality of Fox's coverage for a variety of reasons, uh, not only but also not least of which being their kind of fallback narrative of Messi versus Ronaldo oh, yeah. over and over again. And I'm tired of that. You're tired of that. Many of us are tired of that. And although I wouldn't wish to see a tournament without either of those talents in it, I am happy that I don't have to listen to every game trying to be forced into that round hole, no matter how square the peg is. Yeah, I mean, that would have been excruciating if Portugal and Argentina would have met up in the quarterfinals. Oh, yeah, God. Um, but also at the same time, a juicy matchup nonetheless. But, you know, whatever. That's a hypothetical that won't come to pass. All credit to Uruguay. They looked a strong side. I think they deserve to go through. And despite you know, the, the odds are surprisingly long on them to win it, but I think that they're a, a strong team, albeit a strong team in the strongest half of the bracket. So they'll face some real real tough opposition in order to find their way in the final 
Yeah, absolutely. But I think they do a very good job defensively with uh, Godin, their, their, you know, Superman at the back. Uh, Muslera has had a pretty good tournament. And then you have attacking threats in Luis Suarez and Edison Cavani. Yeah, and I think that Godin consistently punches above his weight in terms of... what. It, so he, he's sneakily a phenomenal defender. And again, this speaks to those of us who follow the European leagues. Like, he's been... Uh, like the linchpin of one of the most consistently defensive teams in all of Europe at Atletico Madrid for ages. But he also manages to like get on the end of the ball in the final third on set pieces in a way that I think bespeaks his experience and his movements inside the box because he's not the biggest player, but he still manages to win header and score goals occasionally as well, which we haven't seen yet so far. But the fact that he's a threat for that as well, I mean, he's... Uh, I think kind of backing his way into the team of this tournament and deserves his spot there. Yeah, and he's a, you know sneaky old. He's 32 already. Mm-hmm. And listed at 62 and only 161. So he's kind of a scrawny guy. Yeah. No. Yeah. And again, he's not he he's not your umtiti who you expect to be like oh yeah like that beefy center back is going to mm-hmm. win all of the box balls sent into the center of the box. No, he's not that and yet. He is able to use that slight but not insignificant frame in order to win those balls. So he's uh, he's a great player. They're strong from the back to the front. They're, uh, I think, a good long shot pick to potentially win it all. Yeah. Okay, so same question about Cristiano Ronaldo. Do you think this is it for him? No, I don't. Uh, I think that the style of play that he has versus Messi's leads him to have greater longevity, even though he's a little bit older. Uh, I mean, I think that he's the kind of player who can can be useful, similar to David Beckham, except that his game is yet even more versatile than David Beckham, just because, speaking of stature, he has a larger frame than Beckham did, but he also has arguably equal skills in terms of set pieces. So he's a player that... I, you know, I don't think that we're going to see him carry Portugal the way that he has heretofore, uh, but I think that he has a role to play two years from now at the Euros, should they qualify, even four years from now in, uh, God, Qatar, should they qualify then as well. Yeah. I mean, they should with a new format. Everybody's playing, right? Yeah. Right. No, 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 no. Uh, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Seb. Yeah, I'm, I'm not in front of a computer, so I can't quickly Google this. But I believe that the first 48-team tournament is going to be the joint North America tournament, not Qatar 2022. Oh, boring. Let's see. Uh, yeah, you're totally correct. Yeah, it will be the last tournament to involve 32 teams. It just sucks. I'm just looking at it, and it's like playing dates. November 21st to December 18th. Yeah, because that's what happens when you decide to hold the World Cup in the desert. Thanks, yeah. Sepp Blatter. Yep. So, uh, this is the final being held on 18th of December 2022, which is also Qatar's National Day. Oh, God, of course it is. So, there we go. Yeah, 2026, then, is when we get expanded to 48 teams. That will be something, huh? Yeah, well, it's funny, because the, the expanded format would make... You know, not only Portugal, but many other teams seem all but shoe-ins. And, well, it's 
convenient because you have three host nations, so you have three spots taken up, but suddenly, oh, there are more spots anyway, so teams won't be up in arms about it. That's also true, but how do they do, I mean, this is going down a rabbit hole here, but how do they do that for the North, you know, for the, for the CONCACAF? Yeah. Are they only playing for one spot then? I mean, that's a good question. I don't actually know that off the top of my head. I think that they have two spots. But, you know, even then, it would Yikes. be... Five CONCACAF teams? Well, yeah, five CONCACAF teams, but then also 43 non-CONCACAF teams. Yeah. Yep. So... No, that's true, that's true, that's true. Okay, let's uh, keep things moving here. Sunday, the day we record this, we had uh, both round of 16 games go to penalties. First up, we had the host nation Russia knocking out Spain in uh, what turned out to be a very entertaining game. Yeah. Um, uh, Well, actually, I'm not sure about that. A game that had... had, uh, fascinating climax but i wouldn't say that it was really entertaining throughout uh i mean i spain looked terrible they i mean yes and no i feel like they could have done a better job of driving up the pace of the game seeing that they had over 70 percent possession yeah and igor i think uh, like he had uh he had a phenomenal game in goal for russia um but I, so I have a question that I want to pose to you, Seb, because a friend of mine who he follows international football, um, I would say a little more than casually, you know, um, on and off and follows international politics ferociously. And he, he and I were texting back and forth and he was entirely convinced that, you know, we talked about this after the Saudi Arabia match, that Russia had bought off the Spanish team. What do you think about that? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, you know, I, I, I can see the argument for it, but I, I don't think so either. I mean, you look at the and, – and I think that this is maybe where kind of the – like that comes into play, that if you don't follow these teams all that closely, that – like, yeah, it seems like David De Gea in goal, even in the penalty shootout and before then he looked abject. But you know what? He's looked abject all tournament. Yeah, he had Diego a, Costa he was had nowhere. A sh- he had a really shitty tournament. Yeah. I mean I just I I can see I can see why it might look that way on the face of it, right? With like here's you have Russia who are uh, <laughs> maybe shall we try to be politic about it and say it's not unheard of for them to bend the rules in either sport or politics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then you have Spain, who have been, over the course of the past decade, a little more, a perennial powerhouse, and you have all of these household names, Diego Costa, Andres Iniesta, David Silva, David De Gea, failing to really live up to their potential, but this is also a team that is playing essentially without a manager. Is it a shock that they look disorganized? I don't think so. This is a team that are playing low on confidence? Is it a shock that players who are great in quality are not punching even up to their weight, say nothing above their weight? Also, I don't think so. I mean, this just this is a, a Spanish team that has not lived up to the billing the entire tournament. And you know what? They, I think a clear handball against PK. I don't think it was intentional, but I still think it was the right call. You get a penalty. 
the other team defends well, their keeper has some great chance, great saves, and you know what? Yeah, you you deserve to go out. And all credit to Russia. You know, like the say what you will about the politics of the Russian Federation, even say what you will about their history of sports doping. Nonetheless, they deserve to go through, and I applaud them, and I'm happy for the Russian fans that are, you know, jubilant in Moscow and St. Petersburg and all over tonight. You know, you deserve it. Yeah. No, Igor Akinfeev had a phenomenal game, sort of a little bit of a, um, I don't know, revenge for him. He's been questioned a lot of times. He's been questioned by Paulie on this very podcast. Well, you know, this is something that we talked about in the previews, I, I don't know if Paulie was on that episode. He's been gone a lot lately, but the um, the preview for Russia themselves is that we said, "Look, look, this is a phenomenally talented goalkeeper who has a history of cracking on the big stage." But in the same way that we see players like <laughs> the opposite goal, David de Gea, for example, step up big for Manchester United, fail to deliver for Spain, and you know if he can do the converse, then they've got a shot. And you know what? He did exactly the opposite. Like he has stepped up for the Russian stage, and so I'm not sure that. I'm not sure I would use the term revenge because it's not exactly like playing against an old rival, but I would say certainly he's been vindicated by this performance. Yep, no, absolutely true. Uh, Sergei Ignacevich became the oldest player to score an own goal as he gave uh, Spain the lead, but he did convert his penalty, so he's sleeping well tonight. Yeah, he's certainly, well, that's that's a bit of revenge or certainly redeeming himself. Um, yeah, you know what, Seb? I think that own goal is going to win the golden boot in this tournament. Yeah, we're up to what, 11 or something, 10? <laughs> yeah. There's a lot yeah, of them. It's, uh, I mean, and obviously, you know, it's facetious. It's not a single player, but um, that I would be shocked if the golden boot winner does actually score more than that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's not going to happen on, unless someone totally explodes here. Then the other game we had here today that also went to penalties, that was Croatia-Denmark. And Croatia went through. And, I mean, you got a feel for Kasper Schmeichel. He had a phenomenal game for Denmark. Yes, you know, yes and no. I mean, of course, of course he's got to be crushed that they didn't go through. But, again, sp- speaking about legacies, so you talk about the legacy of Peter Schmeichel and his struggles with penalties and then Casper and of course I'm speaking about Manchester you know, like club versus country here so there's that distinction but Casper Schmeichel playing the game of his life on the biggest stage nobody really gave them a chance against Croatia you know, coming off of a phenomenal group stage um, you know they they acquitted themselves very well of course it's easy to say this from a neutral perspective when you know the Danes and every you know the Danes in Copenhagen will be absolutely gutted by this result having played so well but he had he had a phenomenal game and yeah he can leave with his head held high even if he's got tears in his eyes about it yeah so Matthias Jorgensen gave Denmark the lead in the first minute then Mario Mandzukic tied it up in the fourth and then we went all the way to penalties in extra time though Luka Modric had the uh, opportunity to give Croatia the lead on a penalty but Kasper Schmeichel saved it and then uh, uh, I've got to ask you something yes. about that before we go on to the the shootout itself. For me, that's an obvious straight red. I I was baffled that it was not a straight red. Oh, Jurgensen's tackle there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, and I th- I thought that was kind of a an egregious non call, made even worse so by the fact 
that um, by the fact that he, <laughs> you know, Mugridge had his penalty saved, which again, you know, not the greatest penalty. Credit to Schmeichel, but I was I was absolutely shocked by that. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, we only got a yellow card. It, that was a little bit perplexing. But you know, it is what it is. That referee, I don't know. I don't think he's the best. I blank on his name right now. The uh, Dutch guy. Actually, I actually think that overall, he overall he managed the match very well. But uh, that that was a I think a kind of he lost the courage of his conviction and didn't want to give a red card. He's Argentine. Extra time, and. But it was the for me. It was the wrong decision. Yeah, Nestor Pitana from Argentina. Ah, excuse me. I was conflating him with the. Uh, oh yeah, he's the the one who kind of looks like Ed Hockley of the NFL. I was conflating him with the Dutch referee who was uh, in charge of the match earlier. In the oh, day, okay. Who right. I thought did really have a phenomenal game. For me, I hope that he's in charge of the final again. I, you know, cheapish because I forget the name of the referee himself but the dutch referee was in charge of russia spain i thought he had a phenomenal game and you know i thought that the argentine referee did well overall but that was really a botched decision you know you've got to give a red there yeah let's see here it was uh bjorn coopers yeah the dutchman I remember his nation state, just not his name (laughs) yeah okay so on to the penalty shootout itself well Although Schmeichel was good, Daniel Subacic was better. Yep. Uh, I mean, boy, two two wrong direction foot saves in one penalty shootout. It yeah. was it was amazing. I felt kind of bad. We were, you know, there were a lot of uh, well, I don't know Danish fans, but <laughs> Montanan Danes or Montanans who were fans of the Danish national team were crestfallen around us to see them fall but it was a great shootout a great game all overall and i was talking to a, an acquaintance as he left the bar and you know he's kind of a contrarian by disposition said ah, you know i just i just don't like i just don't like when it's decided on penalties I'm like man you know come on like this that's some let them eat cake stuff because this is a phenomenal game these are both phenomenal games you know like this is what the world cup's all about i get it you want goals from open play it's maybe you know not quite sound of a knife edge, not quite as fair in terms of the overall run of play, in terms of who goes through and who goes out. But if you can't enjoy the drama of a penalty shootout and the knockout rounds of the World Cup, then maybe supporting football is not your jam in general. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. I do have an issue with the stutter step. House, I mean, I don't like it. Like, where do you where do you draw the line, though? You know, like you don't like it as in you don't like it as a technique, or you don't like it in the sense that you want it to be banned. I don't like it as a technique, and I definitely don't like the combination of stutter step and then just try to put it in the middle of the net. I pick see, a, I, pick a first, corner. I have I have no problem with it um, because yeah, you know, and I saw Casper Schmeichel complaining about it in the shootout. And at first I thought he was complaining that, like, he'd double-tapped the ball, and then I saw he hadn't. It's like, oh, you're just, you're just complaining about the stutter step. I think that's fine. You know, often we see players do the stutter step and then make a huge mess of it, and I think that, yeah, then like then you're going to get ridiculed even more harshly, and that's fair, and they deserve that. And I would be on board with you know, that sense of condemnation of the stutter step. But overall, no, it's fine. 
It's yeah. part of the game. Okay. It's legal. That's fine. I don't like it. So we'll <laughs> we'll agree to disagree on that one. So Uruguay will take on France in the quarterfinals, and Russia will play Croatia. And they're on opposite sides of the playoff tree here. Uh, tomorrow we have Brazil against Mexico and Belgium against Japan. Yeah, I think this is, for my money, there's one potential upset and one probable blowout. Uh, and I shouldn't say blowout because I think Japan have a, a solid enough team that they're not going to get, you know, it's not going to be 5-2. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was a 3-1 in which Japan never really realistically looks like they're going to get anything from that game. But I I think L3 could take something off of Brazil. Like I think they could at least, you know, force some extra time in this game. They've looked really good and I think Brazil have looked better than Spain. Um, but I also think that despite Russia's early blowout wins, I think that Mexico have looked maybe better than Russia even though they lost to Sweden in the last game of the group stage. So, uh, I mean, th- those are my thoughts. What do you what do you think about these fixtures? Well, I, I agree with you on the Belgium-Japan part there. I think Belgium should have a fairly comfortable win there, although I, I will be rooting for Japan to get something out of this. It would be amazing if they could put it to extra time or penalties because, uh, you know, If you go to penalties, anything can happen. We've seen that many a times. Brazil, Mexico. I mean, I'm worried about Mexico after seeing their performance against Sweden. Uh, Although, I feel like Brazil might be a better suited opponent for them. Because then they can play a little bit more like they did against Germany. I agree entirely on both. uh, Well, I agree entirely on the latter. The former, like, I think that... The Brazil, or excuse me, the Mexico-Sweden game should have Switzerland more concerned than Mexico. I mean, you, you if they are strong enough mentally to bounce back from that, then yeah. I don't... Yeah, and I, I mean, I think they are. You know, I mean, this is a team that's under crushing pressure and has been, you know, they're, they've been uh, similar, to, similar to England, actually, in that the, the domestic press has been... <laughs> less than full of perfect verve and confidence. And then, you know, they have these first two games and then it totally shifts and then they slip up. And I think that, I think that they've trained themselves to be tone deaf to criticism. And I, I, you know, I said this actually after the Sweden Mexico game is that sure. The scoreline looks bad. They didn't dominate it, but Carlos Vela had so many chances from not huge distance, but slight distance. And I would not be surprised if he misses three of those narrowly in that game. He buries two of those against Brazil. And then suddenly you have Mexico 2-0 up against Brazil and Brazil having flashbacks of that 7-1. Are they going to step up and come back or are you going to break their back? I'm not sure. Like, I I really think that Mexico has a, a decent shot at advancing out of this, despite facing the juggernauts of brazil mm. i mean the uh if we take a look back i mean the odds are not in their favor a lot of times we've seen the the group winners are the ones that go through and go all the way i think um i forgot exactly when it was but it's been a long time since a, uh, a runner-up in a group actually even made it to the semifinals. so 
We'll see if Mexico can defeat the odds. On Tuesday, we got Sweden, Switzerland, and Colombia, England. Sweden, Switzerland, pretty even matchup, I would say. It wouldn't surprise me if that went all the way to penalty kicks. Yeah, same. I'll be rooting for my Swedes to get it done. And uh, the Swiss embassy... You know, they were like, oh, you know what? It's meatballs against fondue. And I was like, yeah, meatballs win every day of the week. So there you have it. No, I mean, I'm, oh, I, come on. It's meatballs against chocolate. That's also eaten every day of the week. I mean, that's, um, you know, they picked fondue. So, yeah. Well, I don't follow the Swedish embassy on Twitter, so I don't know. <laughs> okay. So, England, Colombia, that's sort of the. It's the bigger matchup on Tuesday, no doubt about it. And James Rodriguez, what is the latest on him? Uh, he's, you know, that kind of, that probable, questionable borderline that is, you know, it could be either side of that. It could be he's absolutely going to start, but we don't want to tip our hand, or he's absolutely not going to start, but we don't want to tip our hand. Yeah. That's the latest I've read on it. Now, you tell, you tell me, Seb. No, I mean, they won't disclose anything. Yeah. They just said that he had a positive scam. Yeah, exactly. And, like, what is, what does that mean? You know, it's like, oh, well, his, he didn't tear any ligaments, but he also has a severe sprain that keeps him from starting the game. Uh, yeah. I mean, I expect, I expect to see him out there personally, even if he wouldn't be out there for his club. Uh, just because it is the World Cup and it is the knockout rounds. Um, but then again, also, no matter what the wishes are of the player, maybe tactically you decide, actually want to keep you on the bench and then have you go hard at closer to 100% to the last 20 minutes as opposed to flagging and being forced to take you off in like the 65th minute. Oh, absolutely. Or, you know, if he gets a knock and you have to take him off after 15 <laughs> that would be uh, pretty rough for Colombia. So, but I give England good chances here. I think they're going to advance, and then they'll hopefully play Sweden. I mean, I, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be too bullish about it, or maybe I should say lionish about it. But I think this could be England's year. I think that they, on their day, could beat any team on their side of the bracket all the way to the final and I think that the real question is how do the players that they rested on match day three because they were already through to the final how do they respond and you know we actually talked about this also after the England Belgium match is that are they going to be able to bounce back and play at full potential 100% in form or are they going to lose some of that inertia are they going to get kind of skittish concede a goal and then collapse the way we have seen England collapse, you know, in many other international tournaments previously. I think it's going to be the former, but I recognize that there's a chance for the latter. And although I also get it why Gareth Southgate decided to rest his star players and keep them fresh, you know, that's that's always the risk. So um, I still I still expect them to win this game. And I think that if they win this game and Harry Kane scores at least a goal, if not a brace or even a hat trick, then I pick them to go all the way to the final. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, we'll have one of Russia, Croatia, Sweden, Switzerland, Colombia, or England in the final. 
Yep. So uh, definitely some good odds there for the English. And, you know, resting here, Kane, I just see that as, as a good thing because he's played so many games. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, he's been a workhorse for his team. So uh, it, it certainly makes sense. Um, it's just It's just tricky, you know, because he's... Again, coming off of injuries, he's sometimes, and he's been injured, not, you know, not Jack Wilshire injured, but like he's been injured frequently over the last couple of years. And we've seen both, like both from Harry Kane, we've seen him come off of injury and then just tear his mask off and score in a London derby. And we've seen him come off his injury and look sluggish and not totally up to the pace. So... Uh, again, this is kind of the binary proposition that I have that I don't think that I don't think that we see England with without a strong performance from Harry Kane advancing and going deep into this tournament. But, yeah, you know, I also think that that's very possible that we do see that. So I, we'll see. And, and also I should qualify that, that, you know, coming off of one game rest is very different than coming off of injury. And yet the pressure that these players are under, it might feel as though he's coming off a long-term injury absence. Yeah, we'll see how things shake out. We will talk to you again after those games on Monday and Tuesday. Until then, be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Norin, and Elliot is Keats Was Better. Paulie's Peak was Del. Until next time, have a good one. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.